0: Hello, good morning. My name is Evan Rose, and um, I'm a forum committee chair, uh, introducing our speaker today. I have to comment, I was just in Cleveland, and that whole Detroit-Cleveland area is uh, cloudy and rainy. And I came from a place where my, my father's in a managed care place. And they had a tree come down. They had a brownout out for most of the day. And then the power finally went out. And I was commenting earlier, I think they probably lost half a ton of ice cream in all the freezers there. Um, so it's very nice to be back here in the sunshine and the, and the warmth. Um, our forum today is on St. Elizabeth's Shelter. And how many people are familiar with St. Elizabeth's? Okay. Oh, a few people. All right. I lived in Santa Fe for 10 years. And uh, St. Elizabeth was very prominent as one of the major charities. And one of the things that they do is they keep people fed and they also house people. It is uh, longstanding. It's, I've lived in New Mexico for three decades, so I know St. Elizabeth has been around since then. Um, Marty Stockton came if you know Margie, and uh, suggested that we do a program on St. Elizabeth's because our church, starting in January through the Social Justice Committee, has um, committed to providing one of the meals every month at St. Uh, at Elizabeth's. And Margie tells me that we have about 15 people who are in that pool, that labor pool, to help out. Okay, So think about that as our speaker uh, talks, because there is an opportunity to participate. Um, So our speaker is Elizabeth uh, Caraviano, and she's been working at St. Elizabeth's as as one of the leaders there for three years. Uh, She comes to New Mexico. Previously, she was in Cincinnati. Uh, She also has some uh, corporate experience uh, with Whole Foods. And uh, she's going to show us uh, a video or two and answer any questions that you may have. So Elizabeth?
1: Thank you, Evan. I love this technology. (laughs) And thank you, Rick, for being so on it. And uh, thank you, everyone, for welcoming people like me and and other various groups. I just really am honored and grateful for your commitment to life into helping each other, into loving and serving each other, because kind of that's what our spiritual life comes down to, in my point of view, anyway. Um, Yeah, I was with the corporate world, and um, then I stopped to have a little bit of a family and took a pause. And then I got this job, just they wanted me to produce an event, a fundraising event. I thought, oh, I can do that, no problem. So I spent a couple months, and we did this thing called the Hungry Mouth Festival. And I had started the Super Bowl soup cook-off in 1993 when I used to live in Santa Fe years and years ago. So I was kind of a a shoe-in for the job. I said, I'll I'll give them a few months, and then I got to go back into my, you know, making some big bucks again. (laughs) Because at Whole Foods, they they actually treat you pretty good, and they paid me pretty well. I traveled all around the States. And uh, I thought, okay, I'll I'll get back. My daughter's older now. And boy, did they hook me in. So I started that job, and my office is in the men's shelter. And if you don't know, St. Elizabeth Shelter's has five facilities. Seven programs, but five actual brick-and-mortar facilities. And like Evan was keen about, yeah, we started 30 years ago, probably right around when you got here, 1986, in a small little house downtown on Don Gaspar Street, and the guys and people slept on the floor. And the Sisters of Charity... Started it and lo and behold 30 years later now. We have five facilities and to do that We we have an operating budget of about a million two to keep those facilities alive 70% comes from event fundraising and individual donors So we have we have a lot of work to do in that area to keep us going So, you know, they like I said they hooked me in my office is at the men's shelter so we have a men's shelter a women and family shelter, and these are emergency transitional spaces. You could stay up to 30 days, 60 days. It depends on your situation. If you just got out of surgery at St. Vincent's, we have a respite program, so you can stay as long as you need. Um, We have some guys who are, you know, really working so hard on um, their recovery and addiction recovery. And so we're, and some will say, you know, if I go back out there today, I will not, have the strength can you know so like stay stay here so um the men's shelter the women and family shelter then we have three or two two transitional housing facilities one for families called sonrisa sonrisa means in spanish smile so sonrisa you could stay up to two years it's a transitional living apartment complex so for two years you can stay there and uh, while you're either finishing your education, getting a job, getting your family together, whatever got you into that precarious place, and I think we're all a couple steps away from it, you know, some of it's a health issue, some of it's losing a job. And you'll see on the video some of the situations. And then what happens when people are shifting and transitioning. So that's the third one, Sonrisa. And then we have Casa Rios and there's 30 apartments there for folks mostly dealing with um, mental issues. Uh, mental health issues. And so it's a beautiful community of 30 folks really supporting each other. You know, like it's not easy. You know, take your meds. Whatever it's going to take to feel loved and supported. So there's 30 apartments there. And then we have an uh, apartment for seniors. And that's called Seringo, It's on Seringo Avenue. And so that's Several apartments for seniors, up to eight, and it's always full, of course, and that's a beautiful community as well. Then we have respite care, like I mentioned. So folks, we work with St. Vincent's Hospital. And we also have a legal clinic on Tuesday, free legal advice, because oftentimes people get in these precarious situations because they have a legal issue and they can't get their ID. And if you can't get your ID, you can't get services, and it's just this weird, wild cycle. So. We're like, okay, what is, what is your goal? What is it that you need? And let's take the steps to get there. So before we start the video, I just want to clarify, too, a lot of people ask me, so what's the difference between St. Elizabeth's Shelters in supportive housing and Pete's, Pete's Place? Do you know Pete's, It's the interfaith community? There's another shelter. So the, the difference between that is we are a dry facility at this time, meaning... On the path to sustainable housing, uh, we want to help you in recovery. It's, you know, to have that stability. So to stay at St. Elizabeth's Shelters and to create that safe environment, it's a sober facility. Pete's, or interfaith shelter, uh, is some place where after 9 o'clock, no matter what your condition is, you got a place to stay. And that is so important. We need to have both. And so a lot of people are like, oh, we don't need, you know, we need to have both. We need to keep people alive and get them into a facility out of the weather, whatever the situation is. And once you're ready to take steps to get into housing, sustainable housing, then we're, then, then we're there too. So we basically create a safe container to say, okay, what is it that's, that's inhibiting your ability to get into a home? And let's remove those blocks so that that can happen. And so of course we've got, you know, a lot of success stories. And, um, I just also want to mention, and then we'll, we'll, we'll roll the video is, and if this is just more pertinent to me personally right now, and I'm really sensitive and kind of emotional about it lately, but two, three, two weeks ago we had a homeless forum at Christ Church in Santa Fe, and there's 140 people there and uh, half of them were homeless and uh, because they wanted their voices to be heard. Huh. So we had a panel up, and, um, and I teach yoga. I've been 16 years, I'm kind of in the yogic world, you know, consciousness and that. Uh, you know, gurus here and there i have been all over the world doing that search. And I don't think I've had more of a spiritual experience, and I wish I could even show you that kind of video, than I did that day. And these gentlemen, especially these two gentlemen, We're up on stage, and just my heart just burst open in a different way than when I'm sitting one-on-one with people at the shelter, because I work at the men's shelter. So I hear stories, and, you know, I mean, there's this guy, Ricky. Eventually, I'll I'll produce this video, because I do have footage of him. He is a guru. I mean, the guy is like, every word out of his mouth is about the sacred, and about where is really home. Where is home? And what does that really mean? And to most of these people who are confronted by, you know, with death and hunger on a daily basis, they kind of get where home is, really. You know, we need to get them into safe situations, but they get something that we don't have to confront all the time. And so when these guys were at the forum, especially, and one of them was super duper funny, I'm like, you need a radio show. Uh, I, so my message with this is, they're, they're, they're just like us, but they're, de- they're, they're dealing with very vulnerable situations that get them deeper into their spirit. Then, you know, I mean, not that we have not had situations, believe me. I mean, I feel like, you know, I, I've, I've had my share, but, but to have that kind of precarious kind of vulnerability, wow, so guess what? After three years, I'm like, the corporate world is way over there, not even part of my reality anymore and I am right where I want to be, you know? So uh, especially, you know, when you kind of peel away everything that you are or that you want or why we're here in terms of our spiritual life, which is really everything, I think, it's to serve. And I have never seen people serve more than folks who are, are in precarious housing or who are experiencing homelessness. They take care of each other. They watch out for each other. They got each other's back. Not that there aren't issues, but it, there's just a community there. And I really sensed it at the forum. There was just like, they were standing up for each other in the audience in complete gratitude, complete gratitude. Like, you know, we know on the spiritual path that if you're not grateful, forget it, everything else, like that's the start. These, that, these guys live in, the, in that, that spirit. So anyway, with that, I just wanted to kind of get that off because sometimes I'm, I'm so tender about it right now, just, these are my gurus, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> these are my teachers. Uh, and and I couldn't be more honored to have these folks in my life just who are experiencing this level of um, vulnerability but strength. So, Rick, if we could do the 10-minute video, that'd be great. This is just an overarching um, message video. The
2: community of Santa Fe, it is the city different, and it's why so many of us live here. Its rich history, its music, and its art are all part of the tapestry, as is compassion. This particular Santa Fe artwork is at St. Elizabeth's, done by those who found shelter here. St. E's has been a part of Santa Fe since 1986. Along the way, generous community support and dedicated volunteers have helped it provide comfort and hope for the homeless among us. Now, there is a certain image that comes to mind when we think of the homeless. Most of us do recognize it as a stereotype, but it's still there, if we're honest. It's a composite image that's been decades in the making. I grew up during the Depression and close
3: to the railroad tracks and the bums, they called them that because they bummed a ride on on the line, would knock on the back door and ask for food and and mother would give them a a plate of food and once she closed the door, I was only about four years old, and I said, why is this man here, why isn't he at home? She said, some people don't have a home. I said, but everybody has a home. And then I certainly found out a few years ago that that's not
2: true. Joanna had the comfortable life she always expected. But as she grew older, a series of all too common events left her adrift. She found herself not unlike those men who once came to her mother's door. She was facing the street, and she was facing it alone.
3: I don't really know how to explain it. Realizing I had no place to go was just, I felt so isolated. And I didn't know I didn't know where to go for help. Uh, then I decided that a bottle of Merlot would be my greatest comfort, and uh, which is why I always feel empathy for when I see someone on on the street and realize they're going to have to find a place to live tonight. Right now, I'm living in a St. Elizabeth shelter, and I like to tell you just right now that nobody, nobody wants to be homeless. We all had our dreams, we all had our aspirations. No kid in America ever dreams about growing up to be homeless. No, it don't It don't work that way.
2: Mike was a truck driver. He drove trucks for 40 years. Then came a downturn in the economy and layoffs.
4: I was living off my savings. And my savings started to run out and I got to a point where I couldn't pay my rent, I couldn't pay my bills, I couldn't survive anymore the way I used to, used to, you know, when I was working. And I found myself homeless.
2: Neshe was a fashion designer before a long illness cut that short and left him penniless. He found himself with one suitcase and no place to go.
4: I didn't know what to do, where to go. I felt so hopeless and helpless, not everything was so dark. And I was thinking, how like abyss, how is that in the right word? Ab- abyss, the dark. I am there, I am there, so I don't see any way out.
2: Neshe, Mike, Joanna, like so many others, they found shelter here at St. Elizabeth's. The point is simple the homeless in our community have many faces. Still, this face, probably not be the first that comes to mind. Here is a Merry Christmas for children in our community who were facing very different circumstances only a week or two before. This is Casa Familia, emergency housing for women and families. It's one of five residences in Santa Fe
5: operated by St. Elizabeth's. You know, one thing about Casa Familia is I cannot tell you how many times I've opened the door. And there's a woman crying at the front door.
6: That was me. Uh, I lost my home. Um, I lost my job. All I had was this car and my three kids. And I know I even said to the kids, we might have to live in the car for a little bit.
7: Sometimes she gets scared
5: a lot, and I'll ask her what's happening. She'll start crying. I did cry a lot. I was stressed a lot
7: and I didn't want to let them down. All they had was me. They needed me to be strong and got something to help me be strong.
2: It's difficult enough for adults like Marianne, but imagine the confusion and the fear her children were feeling at that moment. Then imagine what a stable, caring environment means to families, adults, and children in crisis. Okay,
5: this is for Raven. Raven. Yay!
2: Listen, if all St. E's did was give Christmas presents to children in need, and if all they did was provide good food and a place to sleep, it would still be an asset to our community. But St. E's value to Santa Fe goes far beyond that.
4: So let's talk about the goals that you want to set for yourself. I'm trying to get into um, carpentry a little bit. When
2: someone turns to St. Ease, they work with a case manager to develop a set of goals, both short-term and long-term. And uh, it's just, it's been real hard on me and my family. If it's a question of professional help, St. Ease works with several agencies that can provide it.
4: One thing we can do is go over all the different housing options. There
2: is also an ongoing evolution of services. where we've created respite care for the homeless that have medical conditions. And they can stay up to six months here at the
4: shelter so that they can recuperate. I could barely walk. I'm much less and I could barely breathe. And uh, one of the uh, staff, Erica, goes, John, you really don't look too good.
3: What I said to John was, John, we need to go to the hospital right now. This is
6: serious.
4: When I first got there, my lung collapsed. Uh, I didn't breathe for a few minutes, and I was flatlined. Something like this is really hard to bounce back
2: from. And the only place for them to go is uh, St. E's. Needs among the homeless differ. St. Elizabeth's understands this, and it's reflected in their supportive housing programs, each with a different mission. Casa Cerrios consists of 30 low-cost apartments dedicated to those with diagnosed disabilities.
5: We don't emphasize their diagnosis because then you're telling them who they are. We allow the professionals to help them with that. We keep it simple, and when they find their voice, you have that flame, and we work on it together, and we keep it flaming, you know what I mean? We keep that flame of hope going for one another.
2: This is a residence meeting at Sonrisa, St. E's transitional apartments for families.
4: It's a great opportunity for them to express their worries and concerns, and it's making them realize that you're not alone. What you're going through, we have gone through, or we're going through the same thing, and they tend to rely on each other for that support.
5: Clearly, this is not just about shelter in fact, I removed that from my vocabulary. This is a transitional housing program that is a full-service program that works.
2: Marianne and her children transitioned from emergency housing at Casa Familia to a low-cost apartment at Sonrisa. The kids are actually in school now. They are very, very happy. And then uh, I take classes, oh, I have
6: a job. (laughs) <laughs> those two come in handy, and uh, I'm looking for a better one. This is all a part of the program that they set up for me when I came to St. Elizabeth's.
4: Neckline is going to be so. Nice is designing
2: of, uh, again and teaching cabbage, sewing. Uh, From the emergency cabbage. shelter, he transitioned to this apartment at Casa Siringo, another one of St. E's supportive residences, this one for seniors.
4: I cannot thank enough what St. Elizabeth did to me. I cannot find words to explain how they helped me. I've got my life together again. They've made that possible for me.
2: And Mike has put all that trucking experience to work. He drives students to and from school. There are lots of us that you don't hear about who have been helped by St. Elizabeth's and have gone on and been able to rebuild our lives. So, this is St. Elizabeth's. And so is this. It's also this. Yes, I am available. A man applying for a job with the support of so many people now now behind him. It's a once frightened little girl who now has her own bedroom. This is my room. It's big things.
5: This is my dresser.
2: And it's small things. If St.
7: Elizabeth's hadn't been here for my son, for myself, um, I really don't know where I would be. It's been a grand help.
2: St. Elizabeth's Shelter is there in so many ways for this community, your community, and mine. I'm Allie McGraw, and on behalf of St. Ease, I sincerely thank you for your support.
1: kind of a visual on um, our services. And I just want to mention that Marianne and Raven, Raven's a few years older now, but Marianne's now on our board and uh, does an amazing job, helps me a lot with the event fundraising, and so does Raven. And um, She's uh, getting a nursing degree and has a job at St. Vincent's. So, you know, everything changes. And if we could help people realize that, that this is not a forever situation, then, then I think that's the first step of our job. And when folks like Margie and her team come and do a meal, it's like, ah, that makes a huge difference. You know, it's an energetic connection, right? And just your, your commitment, um, you know, knowing that really our community is all Northern New Mexico. Uh, in fact, people from Albuquerque are starting to come up and um, staying with us, uh, just because there's just so many changes and shifts. So um, it's, it's northern New Mexico, and I think that's why you, know, you, you guys have such a, a beautiful way of reaching out, knowing that we're really serving this whole part of the state, so thank you. Um, I'm going to open it up for questions. Is that what you Okay, yeah. I think there's a little microphone if you have any questions for me. There's one over here. Yeah? Um, there's a microphone here, too, if you so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Thank you.
8: Um, do you have other um, supportive groups that help you um, help these people get jobs? Yes.
1: Yes, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, in fact, uh, and this is just a side note and then I'll really address the question. Um, and I'll, let me just answer this question. And I'll be right with you too. Thank you. Um, there are so let me so LifeLink is uh, it helps with uh, recovery, and um, in fact, I teach yoga there. I'm a, I'm a certified for trauma-informed yoga, so I teach yoga there, and it's helping people kind of get uh, on the path of recovery and jobs. So that and then healthcare for the homeless we work with a lot. Um, they just got a new facility. Had a big grand opening um, right off Cerrios. and then we work with a lot of other the, so- the sobriety center and um, you know other agencies that'll help for jobs recovery, um, mental health issues especially. And LifeLink is just an amazing. If there's another organization that you're like, oh, I really this is an issue so dear to me, uh, consider LifeLink or Healthcare for the Homeless. And then um, if you want to meet all those folks, I think Tina and I are going to talk after this. About maybe getting a team together. I'm having a big event called the Superhero Walkathon, and um, it's on June 10th. And she wants to bring a team. Uh, and you just walk and you raise money. It's kind of like a breast cancer walk. And we're going to have like marimba music. And it's out the rail yard park. And all these nonprofit groups: Adelante, who helps with the kids in getting their school stuff together. I've got healthcare for the homeless. I got the youth shelters. Uh, there's probably you know six, seven, eight nonprofit groups or more if they if I can get them there. So, June 10th.
3: Do you often have overflows too many people that come? And how do you handle that?
1: Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And it, it, we are already always at capacity. At the men's shelter, we have 30 beds. At the women and family shelter, we have different room situations devel- depending on the families. Like, we even had a, a man from Florida come and seek us out because he had to f- f- leave an abusive relationship with his two sons. Um, his wife was really struggling. So he, So it's, it depends on what the situation is, um, but it can house up to 30. So then there's the interfaith shelter who'll take the overflow. And then people go, well, wait a minute, it's summer. The interfaith shelter closes this week, or it closed this last Wednesday, I'm sorry. But they're starting to stay open for women and families. So the summer, um, people will tend to start camping again. And um, so we have 30, 30, and then we're trying to get you into housing. That's the main goal. Mm -hmm. And then Interfaith Shelter, they they can pack a a lot of folks in there. So that's our situation right now. And then I'm starting to, never mind. (laughs) I have an extra bedroom. Like, no, don't. (laughs) Anyone else have a question?
0: Question
8: there? Uh, so when, when people go into um, more permanent housing, are, are you able to connect them then with um, some of the uh, government help, like Section 8 housing? Mm-hmm. How, how, is that, mm-hmm. how does that all tie together so they don't fall right. through the cracks again? Well, I
1: think that's an amazing question. Uh, yeah, so we've worked with them on their resource list. So you saw Neil with the group of residents at Sonrisa. He gets together with them every week. Financial aid classes, um, you know, other, you know, how to do an interview, you know, we have a whole closet for people for their interviews. So, so there are those resources that we established before, and then I think we do need more attention into like a mentorship program. Um, there's a group called Santa Fe Need Indeed, and they're going to be at the June 10th event as well, and they're very big into mentoring, um, mostly before they get a space. So they have at, at one of the, the churches in town, um, they meet every Monday at noon for lunch, and it's all for the homeless just to come and be with each other and, and say, well, what's going on? What do you need? Let me hold your hand a little bit. Because most times that I've found folks, especially like Joanne, she just doesn't have family. You know, that's, you know, I'm probably never going to be on the street because I could always go back to Ohio, you know. or But, you know, I've, I've had transition times after my divorce where I'm like, this is no fun. I'm not sure how I'm going to quite do this. I mean, I'm, I have a lot of, you know, anyway, I, I, I'm fine, but the, the po- folks just don't always have that capacity. So mentoring, I think, that's kind of, I think what you're sensing is like, we just, you know, how do we sustain this? Yeah.
8: Which brings me to another support situation. If a person is in that state and they get, and they're sort of in limbo,
1: mm-hmm.
8: can they apply for food stamps?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
8: Without a residence? I know that oh, sounds oh, really oh, yeah. ethereal. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the issue I think, you know, I alluded to maybe a little bit. It's like <laughs> where our legal court helps. You know, if you had some custody issue that never got cleared up, or you're in one or somewhere you just can't get your ID or your birth, because you know, there's so many hoops you have to jump through just to get your ID. You know, you have to have a birth to, proof of residence. Um, and that's another thing St. E's offers is we have over 2,000 people at one time just getting their mail at our address. So we give them an address. Can you imagine, if you didn't have an address, how valuable an address is. So I don't know if we had a, you know, every day there's people just, sorting mail for us. Because, um, you, know, you know, we'd have dozens of people come in a day just looking for, for um, their mail. So yes, how do we get people into, and then how do you keep them? Because if you're having any kind of mental imbalance, you, you know, oh, let me just plant the seed because you're going to hear a lot more about this. And even at the June 10th event, we'll have folks there. It's called the One Door Campus. And there's a group of folks, Subi, oh, I can't, can't remember her last name right now, Bowden. Subi Bowden, she's a big architect in town. She designed the rail yard park and some other big things in town. And sh- her and our executive director, and I'm on there too, there's a bunch of us getting together now uh, for this new idea of a one door campus. And they do it very successfully in Denver and San Antonio, where everything's under one roof. So you've got Temporary housing, more long-term housing, you've got health care for the homeless, you've got things like LifeLink. you've got social services, all under one roof. So, especially for folks who you know, need to get their rhythm back, I mean, I, I, I talk about this a lot in yoga. A lot of times, we're just off our rhythm, you know? When you don't have your rhythm, life can just kind of fall apart pretty quick. And in yoga, it's all about the rhythm of the breath the rhythm of the movement. It's rhythm. And so I thought, ah, oh, that's what's happening to folks. They're getting just out of their rhythm. And with PTSD, it's a lot about you lost your rhythm, you lost your sense to source and your breath, whatever that is. And so, oh shoot, what was I talking about? Oh, one door campus. So yeah, every, you know, that, that rhythm, if you had, you didn't have to go over on that side of town and then over here and then over here and you're like, Oh, did I take my meds or where am I? Uh, it's, so now under this one campus so in the next couple years you're going to start hearing a lot more about this um, where we'll you know be doing fundraising and getting the word out uh, about the one door campus and it's going to be towards the north west end of town so it'll be a lot easier for you to access because it'll just be right off of 599 for you <laughs> so and we'll need your help
0: so one thing that uh, we came up against we hadn't really thought about this before but someone um, called us for help. It was a woman with her children and um, her husband had become abusive and she needed a safe place to go and she ended up going to St. Elizabeth's and I think one of the real services that they have there is they have a safe place to be, they're around other people and um, they're hard to find. Yeah. And so somebody who's actively pursuing uh, a woman with bad intent has some barriers now.
1: yeah esperanza also serves that at a much more um, that's their main um service is um domestic violence issues where uh, we do have in fact if it's we have time i have like a, a six minute video just about our casa familia if that's something everybody would want to see it's right. it shows you like some of the women who okay yeah all right let's do it thank you rick
9: Selena! So that's Christmas 2012 at Casa Familia, um, which is St. Elizabeth's program for families and children. It's an urgent transitional center. Since that footage, Casa Familia has taken in about 737 more families. Approximately 224 children are included in that number. They come to us really when they have nowhere else to turn.
6: I lost my job. I looked and looked for another one. I couldn't find one. My bills piled up, and before you know it, we were out in the street.
9: I know the day that Kendra came to Casa Familia was a difficult day for her. It was a hard decision to make. I was thinking this shouldn't
6: be happening to us. And this shouldn't be happening to me. Shouldn't be happening to my kids. I've always worked. I've always paid my bills. I've worked 50 hours a week. This cannot be happening to us. But you know, there's all kinds of people in the homeless shelters, and for all kinds of different reasons, and not just because people lost their jobs, but for all kinds of different reasons.
7: I was trapped in an abusive relationship that was only getting worse. Unfortunately, it got to the point where it was not safe for the kids and for myself. I didn't want that for them. I didn't want them to think that the abuse that was going on was was okay. And not only that, but eventually learn this behavior and treat other people this way and I can't allow that for my children. I, I wanted them to be loved and, and show love. You're a little girl. We left with very few things. I didn't bring all my stuff. I left a lot of stuff behind, and that's not what it was about. It was about being safe and, and having my kids safe. And, uh, Me being there for my kids and not go crazy because I felt like I was going to go crazy.
4: When Suzanne arrived, all she had was just whatever she can carry in her vehicle and her children. I conducted an interview with her, and based upon her responses during the interview, I felt that she would be a great fit for the program. The official name is Sunrisa Family Supportive Housing Program. We're a part of St. Elizabeth Shelter. We provide low-cost apartments for families.
5: Um, there was some steps we had to go through to get in. Um, they, we had to make sure they had an apartment because they don't have very many apartments for the families. So, um, luckily, they had, you know, one, you know, two-bedroom for us.
6: So at Casa Familia, we interviewed for the Risa apartments, and me and my family were picked, and we moved in a few weeks ago. Okay. That's uh, the they put for us. So now I got to just start cooking for myself again. What this represents for us is stability, and that we could finally be happy after a really, really rough time.
4: When families come to Sunrisa, they can stay here up to two years.
6: And so it was made clear to us that this wasn't about cheap rent or a free ride. It was about working hard towards
7: something that we wanted to do in life.
4: And that could be an uh, educational goal or employment.
7: It wasn't just about where we were going to live, and, but we also needed that help to get our family back together, to get our emotions
5: back together. I was insecure. I was unsure. I was young. you know, Um... I was,
9: you know, raised, you know, on the streets. With our case management here, we really want to connect people with what they need the most in our community, and so we look at their individual needs and we give them the community referrals that are going to help them the most.
5: Counselors, uh, financial fitness classes, as well as therapy.
6: Gave me resources to Adelante, and they've helped with school supplies, uh, uniforms.
7: They also even helped me um, with the last few uh, classes that I needed for college, and, uh, and with them I was able to get my degree and my AAS and my business administration, and they helped me accomplish what I needed to do to support and provide for my family.
4: We've had several people that go on to um, rent market value apartments and others that go on to home ownership.
5: I don't believe I would have this house without a St. Elizabeth. And can you imagine
6: that? Having nowhere to stay and coming from to the shelter to here to owning your own home. <laughs> That's so awesome.
5: My mom is a very smart and strong woman and she never quits. Without our mom, we would never be where we're at right now. I don't ever have to worry about being homeless again. Um, making sure my kids have a warm bed to sleep in.
6: When you think about homeless shelter, it means so many pictures come to your mind and none of them are really good. But you know, when I think of St. Elizabeth's Shelter, I think of not just it being a shelter, but the words written below.
1: Okay, so that gives you an idea of the services at Casa Familia. And are there any other questions? Things I'm really easy to connect with. I'm, there's brochures out uh, at, out at the, the foyer and um, I, I run the volunteer program and community fundraising. And so we have a lot of ways to get involved. So like Margie's putting the group together for the once a month um, meal planning at Casa Familia. We also have that at the men's shelter and um, I, we do these events. I could always use help at the events. We have this June event and in one in, in October called the Hungry Mouth Festival. And, um, and then we need help at the facilities. Even if your youth group wanted to come and help us paint or do landscaping. We've always got projects. I do mailings all the time. So it's, there's always all kinds of ways to connect. So I, I invite you to be part, of, be part of this community team. Margie?
8: So I just wanted to mention a couple things. Our youth group actually did, the first time I went to the shelter, we took the high school kids a couple years ago and we did a work day there and it was really meaningful to all the kids. They did some painting and scrubbing bathrooms and raking and working outside and um, that was a really meaningful thing for all of us that did that. Uh, But I wanted to mention again that we are on the meal train um, for Casa Familia for the Women's Emergency Shelter, and we're providing a meal once a month. And so I always have a sign-up sheet on the simple ways to serve bulletin board in the foyer, so you can take a look at the next date. We've been a little bit um, scattered on what date we pick, but I think maybe after the summer we'll try to get on a regular um, you know, fourth Sunday of the month or something. Um, but check that if you'd like to get involved and help out with a meal. It's very simple. And so you can check that board and sign up there. Or my contact, my email is on that board as well. You can always shoot me an email or give me a call. So thanks. Thank
1: you so much.
0: Thank you, Margie. Uh, let's thank Elizabeth for a very nice talk.